I'm Brian Foster, and this is the Grindhouse Institute. On each episode of this podcast, Jeremy Floyd and I program and discuss a double or triple feature movie night. Each of the movies share common themes, and we discuss them here. We're happy you could join us for today's film block that will be the first of a three-part series we call Zombie Evolution. Merriam-Webster defines the word zombie as a mixed drink made of several kinds of rum, liqueur, and fruit juice. Since this podcast has never focused on mixing cocktails, we'll leave that to distinguished spirits on YouTube. Jeremy and I will be discussing the zombie as a willless and speechless human held to have died and been supernaturally reanimated. Zombies, flesh eaters, the walking dead, ghouls, whatever you may call them, have had an evolution during their time on the silver screen. Originally thought of as an automaton, a robot-like human who was controlled by a mystical puppet master, the reanimated dead have since taken on many forms and in turn several different origin stories. Today's Grindhouse Institute block is a triple feature. The 1932 Bela Lugosi film White Zombie, 1964's The Last Man on Earth starring Vincent Price, and 1968's Night of the Living Dead from horror auteur George A. Romero. All is fair in love and war is taken to a whole new level when a stately aristocrat will do anything to lure a beautiful woman away from her soon-to-be husband, including enlisting the help of a voodoo master who ultimately transforms the woman into a soulless husk. White Zombie stars Bela Lugosi in his second film after his monumental role as the evil Count Dracula. When a plague is unleashed on the world, Earth's infected population have been transformed into the children of the night. Vincent Price is brilliant as the one man on Earth who is immune to the virus yet needs to fight day after day to maintain his sanity from this lonely world, and night after night to maintain his safety from the never-ending horde of vampiric infected. They're coming to get you, Barbara. After watching her brother get killed by a crazed lunatic, Barbara hides in a deserted farmhouse. There she finds other survivors, including Ben, played marvelously by Dwayne Jones, who works to lead the group in protecting themselves and surviving the Night of the Living Dead. Thank you for listening to the Grindhouse Institute. Please enjoy. Why did you drive like that, you fool? We might have been killed. Worse than that, monsieur. We might have been caught. Caught? By whom? Those men you spoke to? They are not men, monsieur. They are dead bodies. Dead? Yes, monsieur. Zombies. The living dead. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Grindhouse Institute. I'm Brian Foster. This is Jeremy Floyd. We are going to be talking... Hello. Sorry. I I jumped right over your hello there. That's my fault. Um... By the way, I love your shirt, Jeremy. We are we are we are doing this from a uh, a Google Hangout right now, and Jeremy has a They Live shirt on, and it is amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you very much. Oh wow, can can you like tilt down or something so we can see? Yeah, let's show the whole whole chest. There it is. <laughs> if you guys have seen They Live, that will definitely be one of the choices that we uh, watch on this show for sure um, when we do the massive John Carpenter block or. Any yeah. politically charged movie, I guess, with homeless people and aliens. Um, so welcome again. We are um, going to be talking about three uh, films uh, in a genre that I particularly love so much, the zombie genre. Um, and in fact, we are talking about one of the films, at least today. We're talking about the first time 
I guess first time in history that zombies were technically on film or in the movies and called zombies. Um, but Jeremy has mm-hmm. a little bit more insight into that. Um, so I'll let him take over. Yeah. White Zombie, 1932, the Bela Lugosi movie, uh, made sort of directly after uh, Dracula. Um, right after Dracula, right? This was like his second picture, and he was a big star at this point. Yeah, exactly. Um, White Zombie was the first time that um, you know zombies were introduced to the movies. Um, White Zombie was based off of a stage play, uh, which was an adaptation of W.B. Seabrooks' travelogue, uh, it was supposedly all nonfiction. <laughs> a, a very, you know, big asterisk on that one. You know, his, his accounts are pretty dubious. But, uh, you know, this guy... This is a true story. In the late 20s... Uh, oh, 1929 was Magic Island, which is uh, Seabrook's book. Uh, went to uh, Haiti and wrote a, a book on his accounts. And in that book, which became very popular, uh, you know, the sort of concept of zombies was introduced into uh, the, the popular culture and uh, American lexicon. Also at the time, um, the U.S. had occupied Haiti. And so there was a lot of, uh, you know, propaganda in the papers about how, you know, dangerous and, uh, you know, vile things were in Haiti. But also there was tourism there at that point then too, right? Like people started going there. I don't know about that part, but yeah, I, you know, I think I feel like that that's kind of like the origin of of this story. The you know they, this couple goes to this foreign land that is pretty pretty new to the rest of the world, or at least America, to go get married. Exactly, and you know they're they're being introduced to all of these, um, you know all, all of these local customs. Like you know, it starts off in the very 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 beginning with them seeing a body being buried. Uh, in the middle of the road, in order so that it won't be dug up and turned into zombies uh, later on. But you know, yeah. So like, so this movie was definitely the first time uh, zombies um, were, you know, formally introduced into uh, cinema, uh, which was also, you know, again shortly after it was introduced into, uh, you know, the English language uh, more or less, and you know, pop culture for sure. Um, with uh, Seabrook's book, which again, this is sort of loosely inspired by, I don't know. So the three movies that we're talking about are White Zombie from 1932. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Last Man on Earth, is that 54? Uh, 64. 64, I'm sorry. And then um, Night of the Living Dead, um, is that 68, 69? 68, yeah. 68, yeah. So that's like the end of Vietnam. So we're like at the beginning and end between those two films of Vietnam or not the, uh, sorry, the middle and the end of Vietnam at that point. Uh, well, yeah, it, it depends on when you, right. Uh, I, I understand. Start counting. <laughs> right. Um, <yes>. but <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, 1968 was, you know, um, you know, as we'll, we'll maybe get to in the movie, uh, you know, it was definitely a, um, a, a very you know, turbulent time and you know mm-hmm. a lot of uh you know world changing events were happening then uh and i'm sure you know perhaps uh it you know may not have been wholly intentional but you know in coming out in that time you know the movie seemed to very much reflect that time yeah absolutely um, yeah you know particularly with the ending and everything else you know like the <laughs> the, the whole world seeming to be run over um 
with this new phenomenon, you know, in the movie, um, also kind of reflected what what the, what felt like at the time. So. That goes with the two films, right? That goes with the uh, Last Man on Earth, and that goes along with um, Night of the Living Dead, and that also goes with uh, 2020 this year. Um, watching these mm-hmm. films, I again, I mean, Night of the Living Dead, I've seen so many times, so it was kind of <laughs> it was yeah. kind of like a half-assed watch. I have to admit that because it was just kind of <laughs> on in the background. Um, right. mostly because that's all I watched when I was growing up as a kid. Um, but you know, the last man on earth, this was the first time I saw that, but when they were discussing the, you know, the virus that could have been airborne and, um, they were wondering why, how it was mm. spreading so fast and everything. And I'm like, Jesus, is this hitting really close to home at this point? <laughs> right. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Morgan, we're going to kill you. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so let's talk a little bit about that evolution and in White Zombie. Yeah. Um, so, well, I, so, so real quick, I, I just wanted to say, like the, the idea is okay. So this is the first part of our our zombie evolution. Yeah. Uh, you know, the next part is we're gonna do you know Dawn of the Dead and Zombie Two or whatever the hell they called it, uh, depending on which country you're in, um, which became another watershed of how zombies were created or, or uh, portrayed, and then. Uh, in 85, Day of the Dead and Return of the De- uh, Living Dead, in which, you know, zombies had kind of like gone from what they were in White Zombie to uh, w- sort of their final form that they are today, more or less. I mean, they were slaves um, in White Zombie. I think we should call I mean, they were mm-hmm. you know, manipulated humans at this point through drugs um, that would turn them into walking corpses that would basically follow... Uh, which they never say his name, but his name's Murder, Murder, <laughs> the, the Bella Lugosi's character. Um, okay, you know that's why I, I didn't even remember that. Yeah, they yeah. They, they never said his name, and and I looked up the on IMDb what his name was, and it's just some ridiculous name, uh, very on the note, like Murder Legendary. He, yeah, Legendary, legendary murder. murder. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay, good. Um, but anyway, he, he um, they were basically uh, his worker bees. They would follow everything he exactly. did, and uh, they were working in that mill. Um just like robots well yeah so the idea was that there was this early version of what a zombie was which is as you were describing this automaton this worker bee uh you know uh, a, a worker who has uh absolutely no um soul thoughts <laughs> of their own mm-hmm. or a, ability to direct themselves they are you know puppeteered by um you know a, a puppet master mm-hmm. uh, shall we say and, you know, eventually by the end of this, you know, by sort of the mid 80s, this concept has been totally changed into a walking, rotting corpse that uh, can infect you by biting you. And, you know, and, that, that and we really don't know how they started. There's really exactly. no explanation as to how they rose from the dead. That just kind of a freak occurrence one day. Yeah, or or there's various explanations. I, I sure I say. a but, comet yeah, like, was passing by that left yeah. radiation, and <laughs> but but that was even in that. So talking about Night of the Living Dead, when they didn't give an explanation as to why, even that radio report is kind of conjecture at that point. They don't know. Mm, that's true. The world doesn't know what it is, and these were all just theories. And even yeah, when you get yeah. to Dawn, you know the direct sequel to Night, you still don't know, and they still don't know. All they need to do is contain this issue. Um. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to say that uh, as a modern viewer of movies, I would say that White Zombie has lost a lot of its edge. And I'm sure it was pretty creepy mm-hmm. back in the day. 
but there is a lot. I mean, first of all, it's a short movie, but it felt very long. It's a very, I was just about to say that. Yeah. Slow prodder. <laughs> um, it took me. It didn't take me a while to get through it. It felt like it took me a while to get through it. Yeah. Um, and all in all, it was. I thought it was a good story. It could have been told in a half an hour. Well, it. Yeah, it's funny. So it's, the movie is like what uh, sixty sixty seven minutes, minutes or something. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. And but yeah, it it feels like the longest movie on the list here. <laughs> um, and you know, it's has a lot to do with how everyone pauses and everyone slowly reacts and you know it's very you know, play, part of it, very stage a little stage-y. bit is that you know it's coming out of the, the silent era mm-hmm. and the 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 like hand to the lip uh like gasp you know this move when the uh the the fiance was like hmm he's getting on my girl <laughs> yeah hands on the hips i don't it's, think so yeah, mister no, <laughs> what are you doing there um but you know they're actually you know there was um Despite its like pacing issues, you know, I, I I did enjoy the movie. Absolutely, I, I thought Bella Lugosi's performance is fine. I can, yeah. you, you know, and I and I I've I watched Ed Wood a lot growing up, so you know, yeah. see, hearing about the feud between him and Karloff was an interesting. But Karloff, sidekick. Karloff was a <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Karloff does not deserve to smell my shit. Karloff was a better actor. You know, Karloff could could portray a bunch of different roles when Lugosi kept doing Dracula, I feel. And I feel like even in this one, he had the same, you know, that that theatrical moniker that that Dracula. I mean, it's so successful with someone like Dracula, you know, a romantic Mm. monster. But in this one, he's more of a a mad scientist puppeteer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kind of not clear, I I guess, where his... um powers or whatever came from uh but you know it's he was mixing potions and stuff well he was saying that what, was one it of magic his, or was it uh one of his it, science? It, it's drugs it, it's science yeah and he even uh-huh. says that but um and or the doctor says that when he's discussing with the uh the, the fiance um uh-huh. but what um what was interesting to me was that the zombies that uh bella lugosi was using they were all his old enemies and his main oh, army right, right, right. Of, of zombies were people that have wronged him in life, and this is how he kind of got back at him. I'm like, Jesus, what right. what revenge is to? I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> drug you till you're basically dead, and now you're yeah. gonna do everything I say for the rest of your natural life. Um, I yeah, guess exactly. as you Until rot, your body, uh, yeah. you know, gives out or whatever. Exactly. Uh, but yeah. I thought that was an interesting um, interesting point in there, and one of the one of the. Uh, conversations that he has it really struck me as as being you know important to the storyline was well what if what if all of these zombies all of a sudden got their souls back and literally he said they would tear me apart but that's not gonna right. happen yeah <laughs> it's like that would have been a great ending right like all of a sudden they snapped yeah. too and they they took him out and that's what i was kind of thinking would happen you know not knowing the ending of the film yeah i i, I guess that does kind of happen in a way because you know the, the the one guy he's in the process of converting, and he knocks him uh, off the, the side of the castle. There, knocks him off. Yeah, the, the gothic, uh, you know, windswept castle. <laughs> it's pretty brutal. They showed the body hitting the water, and like, I mean, it was clearly a dummy, yeah. but I mean, it was hitting yeah. the ground and floating away. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I, I guess there was a, a, a couple of places where you really knew that this movie was uh, pre-code, and I, I'd say that was one of them. Uh, you know, like at one point they you know fire a gun at the sort of like uh 
Tor Johnson with the wrestler, <laughs> uh, the wrestler uh, a zombie. The assassin. He was like a, a killer, like an executioner. He said that in his poor former oh, life. Okay. That's how oh, he described. Right, right. Yeah, and I'm like, Jesus, that guy looks like a badass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Tor the, Johnson. He, <laughs> yeah, he had that circus circus freak uh, kind of look. But he, um, you know. They fired a gun, and then you saw, like, you know, the bullet hole. Yeah, that's right. That cut to the, that's Come in. right. It wasn't just, you know, get, you know kind of gr- grabbing your, your stomach and falling over. But it didn't it didn't affect him, right? Because he he's dead. Yeah. They, they yeah, didn't exactly. establish that rule till kind of late in the film, I think. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, yeah. that, like, that bullets wouldn't have any sort of physical, uh, like, even if you didn't feel the pain, like, they didn't have any, like, <laughs> like physical stopping no power in any way. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> uh, yep, it's just a thing that happens. But um, also, in terms of pre-code, that there was the scene where the bride was getting dressed or whatever, and she was uh, in, in her, her underwear, underwear, basically. And, yeah. Um, you know. Anyway, uh, I am sure pretty scandalous for the time. Absolutely. You know what was interesting was that the, you know, as stilted as the performances were, you know, that was something that the movie was sort of roundly criticized for, and yet the movie was like super popular at the time. Um, so I, you know, I was digging through newspapers, old newspapers and stuff for, uh, you know, uh, looking up zombie stuff uh, for my uh, cocktail show. And what's crazy is looking at the um, newspaper accounts. Like, you know, you, you'd find uh, screenings of White Zombie ten years later, like 1942. Right. In you know, there'd be probably only one per city, but there'd be one in every city throughout the year. It's like. You know, you could you could find the thing playing, you know, for a long time. Um, so it, it definitely had some staying power with uh, with audiences. But um, you kind of have to take it on its its own terms. Like, I, I think, you know, uh, a modern audience could probably get through Last Man on Earth and, you know, Night of the Living Dead. You know, it's classic I for a reason. That, I you think know, it holds like, up. I, it, I think it totally holds up, but I, I, I could see that maybe the opening scene with they're coming to get you, Barbara, you know, ha- having to like give it a little leeway before, you know, it, it really starts to hook you uh, for a modern audience. But I, you know, white zombie, like that one would be tough for, uh, for, for, for someone who's like, who's not like, you know, I'm going to study this movie. You know, it's like, I'm going to sit down and enjoy it. Like it would, it would be definitely harder for a modern audience to do. I, I agree. Um, although I feel like the begin, the very beginning, the first thirty seconds or so of White Zombie is pretty awesome. It's got that chanting tribal song mm-hmm. playing. Um, I looked that up. It's El Imperio del Mal. Yeah, because it's a funeral in the middle of the road. Yeah, and it's like got a really cool graphic of White Zombie coming up on the screen, and I was like, this is oh, pretty uh-huh. stylish. And then throughout the film, they use some pretty ingenious uh, like cinematic effects and techniques split screens the eyes that were you know peering <laughs> yeah. over the camera or over the over the picture and i thought that was interesting um but no exactly i mean there's a lot of really great um german expressionist uh absolutely you know, kind of uh you know cinematography uh I, the scene where they go into the sugar mill oh god uh, and Creepy. he's got his like his uh you know um army of slaves uh you know they are dumping the cane into this you know giant uh mill the, mill. the one falls in yeah the the one you know kind of trips and falls into no it. no reaction yeah exactly and yeah n- no one reacts but you know i i got that oh ooh, another gruesome like, thing for the time right like i know they didn't yeah. show it but that was you could put that together because they just showed the sticks 
of the sugar cane being crunched and destroyed. Right. And then this dude just falls in there. What the hell happened to his bones? You know, like yeah. he's just mangled at this point. All right. And it's like, you know, that, that, that creepy noise of the, the rusty grinding mill. And, and yeah, yes. how the, the, none of the zombie workers stop. And it's, you know, it's, it's um, calls to mind. Uh, you know, it's like the, the Amazon factory of its day. Uh, you know, just there you keep go. going, keep yeah. going. Get him out the door. But yeah. the, uh, the, the, the lack of expression on all their faces um, was definitely a motif across all of the undead in this film. And that was, I mm-hmm. think, the big differentiator of this one was they're the same person. They're who you remember, but without the soul, without the emotion, without the love and mm-hmm. any sort of any any of that. Um, the humanity. Intangible that's associated with the person, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just the husk and the, and the mm-hmm. animated corpse or whatever. Yeah. Well, uh, let's go on to uh, the last man. Um, but I did want to say one more thing about White Zombie. Um, yeah. I feel like of all these films, this one needs a remake. And I feel like, <laughs> yeah. especially today, I think someone like Jordan Peele that would be sensitive to some of the subject matter in a film like this, especially when you look deep into what this is really about, I think he could nail this movie. And I, I, I would love to see a new version of this with mm. updated visuals and updated um, cinematography and acting. I think that this would be a great one to see again. Yeah, I guess, you know, even though there's only... Uh like you were saying earlier, like, you know, uh, 30 to 40 minutes worth of plot in the, uh, in the movie. Uh, you know, I guess you could expand it a little more, but like what was in there was, you know, pretty, um, uh, you know, diabolical and, um, yeah. and, and it still resonated. You know, the, the guy Beaumont is a, is a, the biggest creep on the fucking planet, man. He's, yeah. he, this guy's he, willing to take this girl's <laughs> soul just to be with this girl. Like, and right. ruin this other guy's life, right? Exactly, and and he wasn't even sort of the the, the main villain. You know, it's like he <laughs> he became the crony like in a way. The, the, the level of villainy went pretty deep in it in the movie. So at least that that side of it kind of still holds up. Lugosi um, was after um, after the girl from the beginning, which again felt like a lot of Dracula to me. You know, Harker uh-huh. bringing Mina in a way, and then this one. Um, but you know, he had the scarf. And he kind of tucked it away in his jacket like it was really important to him when he was discussing yeah. with Beaumont. And uh, obviously there was this, he had a plot within a plot to try to get this girl and use this guy himself, as kind yeah. of that bridge. Yeah. Um, but I would like to bring up uh, the next up, uh, Last Man on Earth. Um, I really, really enjoyed this film a lot. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This Same. one, I mean, people are like, oh, Night of the Living Dead took some inspiration from this. I would say... Carbon copy in some instances, um, yeah, music yeah. and shots, and uh, especially the setup of everything when the movie yeah. was still on sticks. Night of the Living Dead, I mean, you know, when it still had a little bit of, you know, composure um, before it turned into documentary uh, zombies coming into your household. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't think this movie would have been Last Man on Earth. I mean, I don't think it would be as successful without Vincent Price. I think he. He nailed the the madness of this person, last person yeah. on earth. Yeah, and, and it's he played a very un Vincent Price, uh, yes, uh, role in this one. He he didn't have his his usual I don't know what uh, irony and um, you know, composure. <laughs> he, he was very human. Yes, in the movie very much which so. Is uh, um, and you know not very athletic. Uh, terrible yeah. <laughs> at throwing things and terrible at throwing punches. Um, 
So I guess he's more of a theatrical actor. There you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and it's like, well, what what would a um, egghead scientist uh, do in this situation? Well, it's he's not going to be the World War Z, you know, machine gun toting <laughs> badass. Not Will uh, Smith. And scientist. Yeah. Will, uh, Will you know, Smith, or, or, Robert Neville. Or, the, yeah. yeah <laughs> either, either the, the Will Smith, yeah. uh, I Am Legend, or World War Z, Brad Pitt. Both, uh, you know, hand, handy with, a, with an assault rifle and uh, with, you know, lab technicians. Or whatever. If you look at some of the stills from Omega Man, the uh, Charlton Heston remake of this, or uh-huh. based on the book, I understand. But, you yeah. know, the other remake of this book, um, he's got some sort of sniper rifle with a scope on it and then with like this red beam that he can like shine on the uh whatever they are in that movie um ghoul, ghouls the monsters, yeah yeah um but yeah this one he felt genuinely um genuinely vulnerable however he kind of accepted his vulnerability and i thought that was a cool mix even when they were banging through the window trying to get in ev- night after night he found a way to fall asleep and like find comfort in his own home, even while all that shit was going on, which yeah, like watching it, I felt uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. More yeah, yeah. Good. yeah. <laughs> that exactly. I thought it was great that, you know, these zombies or these vampires, which, you know, they hinted at, but never really said, mm-hmm. um, I guess they did say it, but they didn't really come out clearly and say it. I like that. They still had their voices. I think that made them scary. Yeah, that was interesting. I well, so this movie, you know, would kind of uh, seem like the odd man out uh, in 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 both you know th- this episode and then also you know uh, th- through the rest of the uh, little series we're doing here, except for the fact that like you know you can as you mentioned you know Romero uh, seemed very inspired by this uh, movie in particular, the Richard Matheson book I Am Legend um, that it was based on. Uh, the monsters were, you know, more, more vampire-like, more obviously vampires. They, they drank blood. They weren't um, uh, lumbering and slow. They were fast, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, that there was, like, a really interesting detail that he, you know, in his neighborhood, he burned down all the houses around him so they couldn't come in, the, you know, uh, through, um, you know, I don't know, jump over the roof or whatever. So I, he, I, he didn't, had to just defend I didn't notice the, the that. Bottom. Well, and, and I don't think they did that in the movie, but oh, 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 I see. It, well, and also in the movie, the the um, monsters were, you know, more of what we think of as zombie-like. They were, you know, lumbering and slow, and like, you know, you know, barely able to lift their own arms to slap the door and you know say Morgan and all this stuff. Uh, whereas, you know, in the book, they were, you know. You know, sort of fully animated and uh, athletic and fast and exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think that I Am Legend probably hit the hit that a little bit more accurately to the book because those things were fast mm-hmm. and they traveled in packs. Oh, you, this is a disagreement phase. Yeah, that's the. Uh, eh. I don't think I've ever felt such disagreement from you in my life. Eh. You don't like this movie, I Am Legend, huh? No, I hated it, but um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but uh, it, you know, the, the the idea was that like. In in the 2007 Will Smith version, uh, Big Willie style got the title "I Am Legend" because he created the cure or whatever. Um, in the book uh, and in sort of the Last Man on Earth, it was the idea that this guy, the Vincent Price character, was going around hunting these vampires all day long. Uh, you know, 
trying to exterminate them. And, you know, he was, as it turns out in the last page, like the bad guy. He was killing he, all he, of he their people. He was what this new world yeah. saw as like the, the, the most, you know, evil and terrifying person. And like, that's why in the end of this movie, uh, after they, you know, uh, finally corner him and kill him, the, uh, the woman comes by that crying baby and she's like, it's, it's all right. It's all right. He's gone. He's gone. He won't be able to terrorize us anymore. And the ending uh, of the book was, you know, fascinating. It's, it's definitely worth a read just for that. Uh, although I have to say this movie, uh, did come pretty close to the, the idea that was embodied in the ending of the book. Um, which, you know, is, is what the title was supposed to be about. Like the, the way they get there is a little different. Um, but feels you know, like that the way they got there was a little thrown in. She just kind of, <laughs> I know she was spying on him, but she just was right. walking toward him at one point and he's like, stop, don't leave, you know? And yeah, yeah. But there was well, not they, a whole they, lot there. Yeah. They, they didn't quite, um, give that part of the story enough mm-hmm. context to like get you to then like, you know, feel the surprise with the character. It's like, this is very weird. Everything about this doesn't make sense. You were very su- suspicious of it as you're watching it yeah. where, you know, you should have been in more in his mindset of like able to see and like, okay, I guess this could make sense. Oh, there was another survivor. It wasn't just me. Blah, blah, blah. But, but the idea was that in, in the end, like, you know, he realizes that to all of these new people that he was seen as monsters, he was the monster. He was a, a legend that they were fighting. He was the Dracula in that. Yeah, because um, they said that some of the people that he'd pick up from the side of the road as he's clearing out the dead yeah, and throwing yeah. them into that fire pit, those were right. actually a living people that were their friends and like their family, and they were right, he was exactly. just going around picking them up in his in his car and killing people. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, it, that was a great twist that I did not see coming. I I really enjoyed that uh, piece of the story. Oh, cool. So are you talking about in the book or in the movie? No, in, in the movie when, uh-huh. you know, we find out that uh, this woman is actually from a camp of vampires that is can now, I guess, deal with the uh, the sunlight and things like that because, you know, they found a they found more yeah, of a cure a, than he ever found. Kind of a um, potion and, or something, yeah. Yeah. Did they ever describe them as, as vampires in the the movie yeah so there's there's in the flashback scene when we're um Uh uh so yeah the main zombie that's always after him was his you know good friend and colleague that he worked with in the lab and um at one point he said you know he he was he was johnny with the glove (laughs) exactly yeah right but he was he he said he's like these are vampires like from what we can describe of them like this is a very vampiric thing that we're talking about but they didn't so much as come out and call them vampires but with the mm-hmm. garlic the mirrors the crosses all over the wooden mm-hmm. stakes yeah. everything kind of led to that well and supposedly the reason vincent price wasn't affected by any of this stuff was he had been you know bitten by a, a bat and so that, that sort of the in... vampiric blood mixed with my own <laughs> like, all right cool yeah pretty cool <laughs> I mean, I thought that was a pretty good explanation, but it, it, again, it didn't try to explain it away. It's just like his theory. He he never claimed yeah. that as being mm-hmm. f- fact. Yeah, that, that, and that's something that like um, I find, uh, you know, in Stephen King stories, he he often does so well, which is that like instead of you know creating an objective explanation as to, to how these things are happening, people come up with you know sort of 
their own theory on it, and it seems very plausible, but it's also has the wiggle room to not not be that thing. It's still cosmic. It's still it's yeah. still bigger than we understand. Right, exactly. Which, you know, also has its own level of um you know, th- that unknown uh, mm-hmm. becomes very uh scary in and of itself. Um but yeah, so I like this this movie, you know, there were so many um you know, connections uh or perhaps homages that Romero used uh, you know, like maybe that Johnny connection. Um, you know, the guy was boarded up in his house. Uh, you know, he often was using like fire to, you know, kill the, the zombies, like the zombies were, or, or whatever they are, the ghouls were attacking, uh, Vincent Price's car. And, you know, <laughs> like, um, uh, all of the ghouls are sort of lumbering. Uh, you know, they were assaulting his homestead. Um, but using weapons like that was like a step above the although you know the, yeah, the first uh, cemetery zombie a night of living dead uses the the rock to get into her car that's oh, really that's the, true yeah. that's really the only use of tools that they use in that movie but uh-huh. in last man on earth they were they had boards they had it felt like they had you know actual weapons with them or they knew how to use them and were using that to, as leverage to try to get into this this house night after night right for right, three exactly. straight years apparently <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Like, that's torture. And I think that's why I really enjoyed this movie, is I felt truly tortured, and I felt like I was alone with him. And every time yeah. there was those sounds of, you know, Morgan or somebody trying to break in, and he's just kind of sitting there smoking cigarettes and having a drink, and it's like, you got to, this is your new life. Uh, and you kind of feel that with him. Yeah. Well, I, and, you know, I think particularly at this moment it it has a, a lot of that resonance i mean you, you know as you were saying the idea that this thing was um an airborne disease and um that you know that they didn't know where it was coming from or how to combat it or you know what the um ways of taking care of it were and then you know you see in this really like long flashback section of the movie how uh, Morgan was looking for his uh, his daughter, and there was just a, a group of MPs with a dump truck, like you know, unloading bodies into this burning pit. Bags of uh, bodies. And yeah. he's like, I think my daughter's in there. Like a lot of people's daughters in there, kid, M- including my like, own. <laughs> he goes, including <laughs> yeah. my own, sir. Yeah, yeah. It's like Jesus, oh my dude. God. And he seemed pretty calm about it. How how much did that uh, remind you in a way of like? You know, New York in April when they were just like, you know. Exactly. That's exactly. Dumping uh, bodies by the cartload onto that island or whatever. Jesus. And um, anyway, so, you know, I, I think particularly at this given second, like this this movie has this extra layer of resonance. Um, you know, despite some of the, um, you know, uh, uh, let's say production shortcomings, uh, you know, with like the very long sequence that was clearly shot MOS and they had to kind of dub everything in later. It's an Italian film and yeah, no one, exactly. no one was so. speaking English except for <laughs> Vincent Price. Yeah. Or at least his own English, I should say. But yeah, yeah. like that's, it, it's, it's fun. It, it's, it's crazy to see that. I, I didn't expect to see that many Italian names when I was watching the credits. It felt like I was watching a, a giallo from, you know, Dario Argento or something, uh-huh. which we're going right. to get to for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so the ending, um, I I thought was great, and I and I think it was very strong of them to to kill off the protagonist. I know it 
unlike Psycho uh, that happened within the first 15 minutes. Um, but mm-hmm. in this in this version or in this film, I I, I like that we really led up to um, a, a growth of this character through who he is now, where he came from, or how he got to this point. Mm-hmm. A theory as to why he was the only one left on Earth, and then into this. Well, like they said in uh, The Dark Knight, if you live long enough, you go from the hero to becoming the villain. And in in many ways, that's what he did. He wasn't a legend in the positive sense. He was this monster in this community of people because they were the majority at this point. And so they ran the the world in in a way. And he was this mythical creature that was killing them off, you know, by the truckload, literally, like... And I guess uh, to bring that up, there was uh, some little facts I found that Vincent Price, um, he refused to move around dummies because he wanted it to be realistic. So he was literally lifting people. And as you see, he's kind of careful to lift dead bodies into the car as if he really (laughs) would be. But he's like being very gentle with them. But, um, you know, added a sense of realism. I thought that was interesting and also extremely grotesque. Yeah. How funny was it that... uh... You know, speaking of the lifting the dead bodies, I, I remember like at one point he, he put one in the trunk and it was kind of moving around a little bit. Yeah. Um, but he was driving around, I don't know what, this like, uh, you know, Ecto-1 uh, hearse and uh, you know, always <laughs> had the exactly back open. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what'd you pay for this one? Oh, 7800 <laughs> That's... That's exactly what I thought. I'm like, is that a hearse? He's like, no, it's yeah. it's more of a station wagon. He even says that like <laughs> later on when he goes car shopping. Right. And I, I thought that was a great scene too. He's like, should I take this Ferrari or should I take this more practical car? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. How many bodies are going to be able to haul around in the Ferrari? Huh. Um, and I, yeah, it's funny that they shot it in Italy, so the Ferrari is a domestic car there. And, uh... <laughs> this state of the art station wagon from America. Yeah. From Detroit. Yeah, I um I, I thought I thought this was a fantastic movie. Um and again the performances were great. Although, you know, there were some things that were missing, like like you said, plot points and such, but I don't think it totally needed it, and I really don't think it needed the narrative or uh, the voiceover narration. I feel like yeah. I feel like this movie could have really benefited from just visuals and it is it's strong visually. It's very clear what they're trying to get mm-hmm. at. Um, especially like you mentioned the grid on the map as he's taking out section by section or street by street. Um, yeah. I thought that was really interesting. And like, that was a really cool shot of him. And it's basically showing his timeline along with the, you know, the calendars and the three years that go by and he's making his own calendars at this point. Cause they're not printing any new ones. Right, obviously. Right. <laughs> yeah. Very neat. I mean, really good production design. It was, it was like a complete mise-en-scene if you will. Uh, you know, like everything in that scene had something to do with that character and storyline. Well, and and that was what was, um, I, I think maybe the first, uh, whatever, 25 minutes of the movie was sort of captured what was so fascinating about the book, which was that, you know, they would go into great detail as to what his day-to-day was like and how he, uh, well, how would he get the stakes? And then how would he, you know, systematically go and what would he do when he gets there? And like, I need and you know, how does he survive the night and mm-hmm. like um you know all all these things and you know in the in the book you know he's he's in total isolation uh, again uh you know also feelings of 2020 there um and he's 
in in this situation where he hasn't had any contact with anything uh and in the book he like finds this dog and it was this this long process of him trying to like get the dog to to not be afraid of him and so they, they kind of kind of glossed over that on in the movie um but you know there's this whole moment where it's like heartbreaking that he, he finds this dog and and uh gets um finally has like a yeah uh, a companion yeah and th- and then you know then later he has a similar interaction with uh that that woman and like but in, in the book it's, it's a little more drawn out and they they don't spend a whole lot of time with like wondering how we got here and mm-hmm. you know in, in the movie they they spend a long time in this this extremely long flashback that kind of takes up a, a, a big chunk of the the middle of the movie um but instead they, they focus on sort of his day-to-day and then you know so that when you're seeing the dog and and like you know ha- having him chase after the dog you know you as the audience really want him to get the dog and you know and and, and so you're you're in uh, more of his mindset and you know it there aren't these little like corner cuttings with like how well that was fast that he you know, just accepted that this person was there and chased after her and then, right. uh, oh, it turns out she's not, uh, you know, a human. And that that part of the movie, uh, you know, could have used a little more work uh, to get it to work. But, you know, just sort of overall, I, I totally agree. I, I, re- I really enjoyed it. Um, and the it at least captured the essence of what the ending of this movie was supposed to be, you know, and like the... Um, it's that sort of like horror, you know, uh, capper on the end that like, yeah. you know, um, wait a minute, the, this whole time, uh, you know, he, his perspective wasn't what the rest of the world's perspective was, you know. Right. And, and at the ending, the monsters, or at least who we think are the monsters throughout the entire film are the triumphant victors. And yeah. they've, they reclaimed, the monster. Yeah. they've reclaimed <laughs> their world, right, from this yeah. other monster. And I thought I, honestly, I, I I did not expect that um, from the storyline, and I thought I was I was blown away by that. I thought that was incredibly cool, and I'm unsure why they uh, skipped that in like the later reincarnations of this film. I, I feel mm-hmm. like that's a very important factor, especially considering the title of the book that it's based on. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, that's like well, the, well that, that's kind of what I was saying a minute ago. It's like the the, the Will Smith version, like they flip the meaning of what I am legend is supposed to mean. Right. You know, they made into, because into he was a legend. Like, I am the savior of humanity. And, you know, perhaps that was uh, done for the, you know, sort of Hollywood uh, happy ending type of thing. Or, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, the star's ego, uh, you know, got in the way there. Who knows? I, I, I think that a combination, but aren't we beyond the happy ending shit in movies? Like, <laughs> I, I feel like some, think, of, the, but, some uh, of the most successful movies, in my opinion, you know, maybe the top 100 of my favorite movies, they have all, most of them have a shitty ending. A shitty ending in terms of like the, the hero not making it or everyone mm-hmm. in the in the camp not making it or everyone in at the farmhouse not making it except for one. You know, like I, I mm-hmm. think that that's, that's, I don't think a good ending makes sense for a movie like this or at least a, the, the prototypical happy ending. This is, this is a happy ending for the people that we, it was an unexpected happy ending for the people that we didn't expect to have a happy ending. And uh, it actually kind of flips the script in that um, in many respects. I, I, very successful. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, basically, you know, just if we're talking about in general, you know, any ending is possible, uh, but if you make it work, right? So it's like, you right. know, the, um, I guess it's possible to have 
a happy ending to I Am Legend. You know, it, it flips around what the story is supposed to be about. But, you know, I a big part of it was that they uh, just, uh, he came up with the, uh, no, I don't know, the whatever serum uh, at the last minute. And, he, and somehow it also worked that they got the serum to everyone else. And there's other humans out there somewhere. All he needed and... to do was transfer his blood. Like, that yeah. seemed like a simple process. <laughs> he was the one that wasn't getting sick this whole time. Like, maybe we should have looked into that. But fine. Yeah. You know, I mean, they kind of ran out well, of time, I, I think. I mean, you know, that's what I'm, all, all I'm getting at is just that, like, you know, I, it's definitely feels like the wrong choice for that movie. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in general, uh, the blanket statement that an ending has to be a bummer uh, isn't necessarily true, uh, but you do have to earn your ending, what, whichever uh, way it, it goes. Well, I think that's a good segue into our next film of one of the most bummer fucking endings ever, uh, <laughs> Night of the Living Dead. Uh, yeah. So, Night of the Living Dead, um, again, I'll probably say this on every episode that we're on and we'll discuss it. I I think Romero is uh, the Scorsese of horror films. Um, I think that he was fully independent, said fuck you to any sort of Hollywood studio or anything like that. Um, You know, he tried to go that route a little bit, but he said, no, I'm going to make my films and I'm going to make them the way I want to. And I Mm. think his you know, first like five entries into his film catalog are some of the best horror films ever made. Um, Night of the Living Dead, um, we were, Jeremy and I were texting, um, you know, while he was rewatching this and he was saying how much it holds up. And I, I think that's because it was, it, it's so poignant and I think it's uh, very transcendent, this storyline. Um, this is, this is unrest. This is, um, the unknown, the fear of the unknown. This is isolation. This is everything that we will, will always fear um, for our entire lives as a as a human race, I believe. Uh, and this movie portrays that um, near flawlessly, in my opinion. Um, as you know, we're we're introduced to to some folks that are uh, holed up in a well have to hold up in a farmhouse, uh, what they think is a deserted farmhouse at the time, um, when one of them is attacked. Um, by a zombie that we actually see on screen, or The Walking Dead, a ghoul, whatever they are. I believe they say ghouls in this movie. Right, right. Um, and so she's attacked yeah, they, with they, her brother. They, they sort of explicitly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, didn't take on the moniker of zombie in this movie. And in fact, in all of, or at least in the first three Romero zombie movies, uh, they're only referred to a zombie as zombies once. One mm-hmm. time, and that's in the second one. Yep. Um, and it is only sort of in retrospect that we now sort of consider it a zombie classic. Um, yes, exactly. You know, at, at the time, it wasn't like that's not what a zombie was. A, a zombie was still this idea of of what it was in White Zombie, where it's you know an automaton. And in, in fact, the uh, news reports in Night of the Living Dead, which, you know, I, I mentioned this before, but I thought it was great that they created a global a global uh, stage for this film while still sticking to one location. If you don't count the TV anchor and the news locations on the TV, mm-hmm. but they created this as this giant global event that the, the, the U.S. government, the administration at the time was working on to try to solve. The army was involved local authorities, local governments were involved. This was a serious pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I feel like uh, they, they, they nailed that um, through 
you know, telling a small story, but like making it bigger. And, and they nailed the, you know, perfectly um, American sense of how uh, the, the state uh, is is totally incompetent and uh everyone is on their own and um right you know they they really drove that home with that ending you're talking about or alluding to earlier and you know the thing that sort of typically happens in a horror movie or a monster movie from you know let's say the 50s would be that okay uh we've discovered a new, you know, large, uh, you know, cricket or whatever, and it's terrorizing the small town. And, and then we send in the army and that, that fixes everything. Yep. And in this one, we see that general being sort of hounded, uh, by the, the, uh, reporters, mm-hmm. which is Romero, I think. What well, the reporter you mean? Yeah. The report, yeah. he's the reporter. He, he's the one like, Hey, I've, he's got the camera and all yeah. that stuff. I think that's <laughs> Romero. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. And, mm-hmm. uh, but he, um, you know, essentially the general has no answers and mm-hmm. the uh, authorities and um, the state apparatus, as it were, uh, also has no answers. You know, it's, you know, unlike the horror movies or monster movies uh, from this era, uh, this is not the solution. Because right? mm-hmm. this is this is getting out of the atomic age movies where exactly. the radioactive yeah can be or the radioactive issue based you know the giant ants the giant creatures are all easily vanquished because we know what the problem is right it was it's been testing it's bomb testing they created this Mm -hmm. and the army can come in and clean the house but this what the hell happened here like there's some this is this is this is something that we can't control and why can't we control it because anybody that you kill or that dies is going to become one of these things apparently so that means this army can be you know, well outnumbering the, the, the rest of the civilians that are still living on the planet, which you see in yeah, later I, dead I guess films. I would say, at least in this one, it's not... Uh, I mean, definitely in Return of the Living Dead, uh, that phenomenon is there. But um, in this one, it's not totally clear that, uh, you know, how all this works. It's like, you know, if you die... Uh, in in certain ways you can come back and and then in in others i don't know what they can feast on you and then so like for instance there are the guy, no rules well it it's uh not for I, the, not for the initial ones i mean there, how they started there there has been no explanation in these films there's been no rule as to how they woke up but moving right. forward they spread the virus by biting or by scratching or whatever yeah. contact you know blood um so you know that's how the virus spreads, but how did the virus originate? You know, right. how so, did so this... like when when the little girl you know kills mm-hmm. her mom with the spade or whatever, I hurt or the yeah <laughs> the little creepy garden hoe. It's like somehow she gets infected to then come back to life. It's it's pretty clear that the way her dad gets it, you know, he gets shot and then goes downstairs and gets snacked on by his daughter. He's a piece of the, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, you know, Cooper. then he, co- he, he comes back, to, come back to life uh, based on that that uh, snacking. But I guess we didn't see you know mom get get chewed on, and so when she comes back to life, it, it's like not super clear. But anyway. we do though, we, we we do see that. Um, I think she's the girl is over both of the parents 
when we see them all at one time, and I think she's she, we we see that she did in fact do that, and that's how she turned them. Well, we we definitely see her, her eating her dad's arm or whatever. Yeah, but and we see her murder her mom, which is the second. And I, I just realized that's the second time they use tools. <laughs> in in night or yeah, what do you in mean? night because it was. It's the cemetery zombie using the rock to get into the car with Judith O'Day, uh, oh, right, Barbara. Right. I, I see what you mean. Yeah. And yeah. then this Sorry. one is yes. the yeah they used she used a pretty steady hand actually with her <laughs> the garden the little hoe. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That's a brutal kill. <laughs> Spe- speaking yeah. of that, like you brought that up, there's um I, I you know this was, you know it you're talking about 1968. We're going into the like the the realm of like the 70s and like the mm. you know the very graphic and 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 violent movies that were coming out around that time and George Romero was not afraid to show some on-screen gore in a in a film that came out in the 60s and there's you know quite a bit so so this one like fell right into this tiny pocket between the end of the code that didn't apply to white zombie and the beginning of the MPAA. So essentially, those uh, guardrails were removed. And so, you know, seeing a, a totally decaying corpse with an eyeball popping out at the top of the stairs, uh, they can do that. Which was a ping pong ball. Oh, really? <laughs> um, Romero actually made that thing himself. Pretty convincing. He, yeah. he was going to hire Savini, the guy that ended up doing Dawn of the Dead, Tom Savini, the big space, special makeup yeah. guy. He was... He was going to be uh, hired for this film, but he was uh, in Vietnam at the time as a combat photographer, so he couldn't do it. But he brought him back oh, wow. for Dawn of the Dead. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, didn't Savini direct the less than stellar remake of this? Yeah. Um, you know, it's got its it's got its merits, I guess. But it's more. And it's of, got Candyman, so that's nice. Yeah, exactly. He's great. Tony Todd's awesome in that. Um, but I think that. You know, it's it's kind of like how Gus Van Sant tried to remake Psycho by going <laughs> shot for shot. Yeah. You know, this one, it you can't recreate something like that. You know, you have to do it your own way. Right. And, and you know, this movie, um, it captured this, you know, sort of lightning in a bottle as this, you know, this magical uh, thing that, you know, perhaps, you know, shouldn't have worked on paper and, um, you know, is, is rough around the edges at, at some points. But it's like being able to recreate the uh, the magic and the secret sauce there is it, it, it's a fool's errand. You know, you're you're not gonna be able to do it. I agree. I mean, they've tried to do that several times with Night of Living Dead. There's Savini's remake. They've uh-huh. shot extra footage and shoved it into the original. <laughs> um, when when you know, it's like 30 years later, and they're gonna shove footage of the cemetery guy 30 years later that they've reshot right. <laughs> into right. more scenes. It's like that doesn't match. Yeah. And then there was this entire Night of Living Dead like 3D that came out that was total remake that was just this odd like they added these strange police that were having goofy conversations about what's going on just to like add a little bit more to the mm. to the story for no reason at all. Yeah, that uh that sounds like a, a no thanks. Oh, it's it's terrible, yeah. So, let's talk about some of these um you know, some of the comparisons and stuff. Obviously, we're talking about how Night of Living Dead was inspired by, is that what we're saying? Or straight up stole some of the shots and vibes from Last Man on Earth. There's clear 
tribute there that's being played. Um, but White Zombie yeah. felt like it's it's its own its own thing in terms of like the way that it was 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 shot and and lit and yeah yeah well, it, it had it had more of a stagey feel to it. Yes, for sure. It 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 felt you know you know it was adapted from a stage play. It kind of you know you know, but I I don't even think the theater uh, aspect of it could explain you know why the performances were so uh wooden and stilted and weird um but um the concept that the movie had of what a zombie was uh you know this automaton that's controlled by a puppet master was a a template for you know how zombies were portrayed for decades and in retrospect night of the living dead broke that mold and changed it to something else where it's like as you know in in, in night there are there's no um there's there's no puppet master there's uh very little explanation as to how this event is happening it seems more or less spontaneous and now it's just something you have to deal with versus being able to take out the puppet master and release all of the puppets uh from their their cursed spell or whatever um which is how sort of zombies were portrayed up to that point Mm-hmm. And so, you know, white zombie, um, you know, it's sort of closer to the, the origin of zombies. Like, yeah, like Haitian religion and yeah. Yeah, exactly. Voodoo. And um, how, you know, uh, West African religions were then mm-hmm. morphed into their own thing in what what we now call Haiti, what, what then was called Saint-Domaine. And voodoo played um, quite an important role in how... Uh, even the country was established, you know, a lot of the rebellions that took place that uh, led to the country being uh, created, Haiti being created, and like the, you know, getting rid of the French, uh, both getting rid of slavery and colonialism at the same time, um, you know, that all kind of started with uh, a voodoo ceremony. Anyway, so it's it, it comes out of that culture, the white zombie takes place in Haiti, um, and in that sense, the idea of zombies uh, as these automatons is sort of tied to the islands in a way. And throughout, you know, later iterations, it, it was still kind of connected to that. Mm-hmm. And again, not at the time, not, not in 1968, but later on, sort of in retrospect, when we started considering Night of the Living Dead a, a zombie movie. You know, it, it sort of erased where that came from and kind of created its its own uh, version of that. And Which technically they were the flesh eaters when when they were originally going for the title that, that they didn't mm-hmm. really have like they were just some form of human that was eating flesh and that was like their main main uh, motivation was to eat. Yeah, definitely. they they were, you know, flesh eating ghouls or whatever. Yeah. You know, like uh the the term zombie was sort of retconned onto it. it. It was, it didn't actually, you know, start that way. It wasn't the intention. It's yeah. Again, not until much later that what we see in night of living dead, we consider uh, to be zombies. Um, part of it was in, in dawn. They did say that and explicitly make that connection. Um, but that connection was made because the main character had a, voodoo witch doctor for a grandfather oh, and right, his right, grandfather right. named them zombies 
And the way that he described it is, you know, he's like, if we open those doors, there's going to be a thousand zombies in here. That's what he says over the radio. Mm-hmm. But previously in the movie, he says, my grandfather was, you know, a witch doctor in, in Haiti. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, so obviously that's where he, um, he as the character got the moniker zombie from because that's, you know, right. the origin okay, of right, that. Right. So I think that was him as a character comparing what's going on in the world to something that was, you know, from his grandfather's, you know, s- stories and things he told him as he was growing up. I see. And and then sort of the uh, Italian distribution of that movie was called Zombie, and then they made yeah. sort of a, I don't know what, a, a mockbuster sequel to it in, in Italy. And then sort of it, it became in pop culture, okay, well, th- this is what a zombie is. Yeah. You know, it's like having sort of, you know, erased both the... 30s definition of a zombie and like sort of the original definition of a zombie before that now they are just walking creatures very little motivation other than to feed can be easily killed with a shot to the head like there were a lot of rules and check boxes that were put in place for these versions um when as we saw in um white zombie i don't think they could be killed i don't think you know outside of obviously throwing someone over a cliff into raging waters i think that was the only way that anyone actually died in that film like none of the zombies could be killed they were shot or i guess uh getting dumped into the you know uh, cane shredder or whatever that was there you go yeah so if (laughs) if you mangle their body so so that's the evil dead uh way of doing it you had to dismember the body in order to kill them (laughs) right um but last man on earth was he was just burning the bodies Right. And yes. in, in, in order for them not to come back, he was throwing them into the fire pit. Mm-hmm. Night of the Living Dead, that's when we started establishing, well, at the end of the film, when we start finding out some of those rules, just shoot him in the head. That should that should take care of him good. Mm-hmm. Chief, uh, if I were surrounded by six or eight of these things, would I stand a chance with them? Well, there's no problem. If you had a gun, shoot him in the head. That's a sure way to kill him. If you don't get yourself a club or a torch, beat him or burn him. They go up pretty easy. Um, you know, there was that statement that Romero was making that. Uh, and he made it again in Dawn that the he calls them the hillbillies. But the locals um, from these small rural towns, they mm. love this shit. And they ate it up. And this was their way to kind of get out and fire their guns and to be part of this, you know, project to help clean up the their own uh-huh. state. But really, this was their way to hunt some humans. And you'll really see that in, um, in Dawn. There's a whole montage that's oh, specifically right. related to that and the army. And it's it's really powerful. Yeah, and I, I guess that's where the sort of legend of zombies and like the, the, the way in which they're portrayed in, in popular culture, where it ends up going, you know, with sort of the ultimate expression of that being the, the Walking Dead and like the uber popularity of that. And there's this fantasy element of like, wouldn't it be great if, you know, all of the pressures and terrible things you have to deal with, uh, you know, bills and your boss treating you like shit and, you know, uh, the, kids complaining and whatever it's like all that can be totally simplified uh and your whole world is uh all the constructs of the world you know dealing with traffic and whatever else is uh totally thrown out the window and now your life has so much purpose because every day you just get up and have to uh, destroy zombies and and continue to survive and you're living living a very meaningful life whereas uh, you know before it uh, was hard to find that that sort of um, satisfaction and purpose, which, you know, again, thinking of the roots of what a zombie actually was, which is like, 
you know, uh, slavery in San Domain was, uh, you know, particularly heinous. I mean, obviously, uh, that, that's uh, saying a lot, but um, the um, legend of a zombie uh, was a way to have sort of these middlemen between uh, the actual slaveholders and the, the workers. Uh, these middlemen would kind of control them and, and help. And some of them, they would uh, be voodoo priests who would help prevent people from killing themselves because if you uh, did that, you know, you wouldn't be uh, able to be uh, taken to what is more or less heaven in this religion. Right. And then your body could then be used as a slave after death. So it was it was the worst fate they could possibly imagine, you know, because life was a living hell. And so they didn't want their afterlife to be that. So they would, you know, stay alive to, to avoid that fate. Right. So mm. you, you go from from what that concept was to it being a, a total relief from uh, the, the day to day banality of existence uh, in 2013 uh, idea of, of how The Walking Dead and how that became like kind of an escapism at that time. Um it's it's pretty sort of fascinating to to unpack all that especially you know just given that like you know i was as we were talking about a minute ago the origins of all this stuff was sort of just you know wiped off the slate and it was mostly just like oh well there's just an infinite amount of uh you know uh, bad guys and automatons and you know it's like a video game and you can just kind of uh, blow them away and not have to have any um concerns about uh the morality of what you're doing Mm -hmm. um because you know these are just uh you know waves and waves of of monsters and so it it becomes this like um fun fantasy or whatever that then you know it it, again like it it erases everything that that came before that um you know just to uh look back at, at um you know some of the themes in these movies i mean while you know, we, we, we touch on the themes of isolationism and things. I mean, White Zombie uh, hit me hard, um, especially, again, with the, the times that we're going through right now. I mean, the subtext of slavery was extremely strong in this. I wouldn't even call it subtext, as I would call it, just in your face. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The scene in which the automatons, the zombies in this film, were uh, working in, in the sugarcane mill... Um, was literally one of the most terrifying um, images I've seen on film. Um, you know, soulless and emotionless faces walking around in this low angle around this wheel, and it gave the impression that this machine never stopped, and it just would right, keep going right. until either these um, walking zombies, um, I guess, deteriorated or f- fell apart, and they'd find new ones, or they fell into the sugarcane thing. I know, like, You'd mentioned that you wanted to bring this up later, but um, like you said, this is a, this was a good segue into that, and I think it's it's a theme that we shouldn't brush off. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, you know, it it just it seemed like it would be somewhere to kind of like lead us into the the future of zombies, but I, you know, it it, it worked here in, in this point anyway. You know, and as we were discussing, it's like you know this the whole idea of this little series is, you know, where did this monster, you know, this classic movie monster that everyone knows, uh, and has a vague idea of, well, where did it really come from? And like, you know, how did we get to that idea? And, you know, Night of the Living Dead, obviously huge watershed for that, uh, as a a genre of a monster, um, you know, white zombie in its, in its own way was that at the time, 
Last Man on Earth didn't um, didn't have that sort of uh, effect on popular culture, but it it did in so much as it inspired Night of the Living Dead to then you know have uh, the monsters sort of act the way they did in that movie. Um, and as we'll see in sort of our next uh, couple episodes, the other sort of you know fence posts uh, in the evolution of this thing. Uh, but then sort of slightly more more refine and redefine what uh, a zombie is, you know, until it kind of gets to its more or less final form uh, in the 80s. Well, Jeremy, that was an excellent summation uh, that leads us into our next episode. I think I think we should call it there. Um, this was a good discussion, and uh, I really loved um, each of these films. Obviously, I've always loved Night of the Living Dead, um, seeing White yeah. Zombie finally for the first time was, um, you know, something I've been wanting to do for a long time. Last Man on Earth is um, legendary, um, no pun intended, um, yeah. <laughs> but it very much is, you know, a, a book that has inspired so many um, artists. Uh, the Richard Matheson book, I mean, right. um, that book has, you know, inspired so many um, auteurs later on, you know, Stephen King, George Romero, et cetera, um, to create these, you know, larger than life worlds that um, are... I mean, the world basically becomes our biggest enemy without any, 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 any real warning to us at all. Everything can just turn and change. And I think that each one of these films, well, especially Last Man on Earth and Night of the Living Dead, um, all speak to what we're, we're all experiencing right now um, in 2020. Um, hopefully it doesn't end up as bummer as <laughs> some of these movies do. Um, however, um, I'm not totally hopeful. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep a fresh perspective on things and just going to enjoy these films uh, for what they are as entertainment um, and not try to take them so damn seriously as I've, I have in the past um, and I have been now. Um, yeah, I, I guess even with the bummer ending of the movie, at least uh, the movie comes to an end and, uh, you know, it, it's not just part of your daily grind as, as you're just describing there. And it's like in, in that sense, it, it does, uh, you know, you, you're allowed to escape it. Uh, I like so when, it, uh, like, at the end of Last Man on Earth, and I believe at White Zombie 2, it actually says, the end. Right. And, and that, that's right. nice. I, 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 you know, I'd like for that to happen, you know, for the, the <laughs> coronavirus um, right. and maybe our current administration. I'd like to see a big the end um, at some point. But um, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, and Jeremy, thank you so much for a great conversation. Uh, we yeah. watched White Zombie, The Last Man on Earth, and Night of the Living Dead. Uh, next episode, we will be watching Dawn of the Dead, also known as Zombie in Italy, and Zombie 2, Lucio Fulci's uh, film, but is also called Zombie in the U.S. If that was confusing to you, uh, tune, in, yeah, <laughs> tune in next week and we'll, we'll clear all that up, hopefully. Uh, but thanks so much, and uh, we'll be back with our next episode. See you then. Another day to live through. Better get started. Is that all it has been since I inherited the world? Only three years. It seems like a hundred million.